It's, um, it's fantastic to, uh, to worship together. And uh, my name's Ed, uh, if you don't know me, and it's, uh, it's a joy to, to see you. We are at the halfway point of our series called Heart of David. Now, we've got lots of Davids in, in our congregation. In fact, we've got at least, at least, I think, three Davids here. Give us a wave if you're a David. Let's give these, some, these guys some love. We love our Davids. We appreciate our Davids. Uh, we have lots of Davids at Highgrove. But just to be clear, it's not any of those that we're talking about this morning. Uh, we are talking about King David in the Bible. And we're wanting to, to learn from his life. We're wanting to be challenged. And we want to be provoked in our faith by looking at David. Now, David, King David, he's this huge figure in biblical history. Um, but you know what? It's a, it's a really good job that being a Christian is all about following Jesus uh, it's a really good job that being a Christian is all about becoming like Jesus. Uh, because if it was all about following and becoming like King David, you know, actually the world would be a really, really messy place, wouldn't it? Um, you know, David was, as, as we know, if we come familiar with scripture, that he was this kind of complex and, and messy and a fairly kind of flawed man in, in lots of ways. You know, he'll go down in history as an a, adulterer and a murderer among uh, much else. You know, there's, there's so much of his life that is there as a warning to us. But actually, despite all of his crazy flaws, despite what he was like, you know, what we see is that David loved God. We see that David had a, a close relationship with him. We see that he had a heart for God. What do we mean by, by heart? You know, with a, with a modern mindset, you know, we think of the heart mostly in a kind of a physical function sense, don't we? You know, we, um, to be honest, I, I try not to think about the heart too much because I'm quite squeamish. Um, and, you know, it's just all about just trying to stay upright and stay conscious. So I don't really think too much about arteries and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of, it freaks me out a little bit. You know, but for someone in Bible time, so, so a Jewish person that had a kind of a Hebrew mindset, you know, you mentioned the heart and they wouldn't start thinking about cholesterol, you know, they wouldn't start sort of quoting their resting heart rate. Uh, you know, they viewed the heart, yes, as the, the generator of physical life, but actually more than that, it was kind of the, the organ that kind of moved the whole of the rest of the body. And not only that, but actually they saw it as the place of, of kind of intellectual and, and moral and emotional activity. And it was the place uh, for, for, the, for, for Jews, it's the place where kind of decisions were made, where, you know, the heart could, could know and it could understand things. You know, it had a, a conscience. Uh, the heart could have, have wisdom. And uh, it's, it's where the kind of people made sense of the world. And, you know, we're talking about the heart being, you know, the epicenter of our lives and you know, your inner mission control. You know, our whole lives, you know, whatever we do, whatever we say, it starts in the heart. And this morning, what we are thinking about in particular is David's heart for worship. Um, now, what do we mean by worship? You know, if you're new to, to Highgrove, um, perhaps here this morning, or you stumbled upon us um, online, you know, it might seem a little bit odd, kind of all the singing we've done so far in our service. It's a bit odd, kind of all facing in one direction, looking at a screen, almost like it's some kind of group karaoke, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, you know, that for us, that, that singing, that is part of our worship as a church, because worship is to give value and worth to to give adoration to something or someone. 
you know, we might be familiar with the old marriage vows that go, with my body, I thee worship. With my body, I honour you. You know, as we worship God, we give honour to God. We ascribe high value to him as we turn to him. And of course, what we know is that worship is so much more than singing. Actually, you know, the worship is, is the orientation of our heart. It's the, the direction we're facing in. It's, you know, it's giving him and his priorities our, our time and our attention and our energy and our, our focus. And of course, what we also know as we look around society is that we see worship everywhere. Everybody's worshipping all the time. Lots of things capture our heart. There's lots of ways in which we turn our faces towards different things. We, we give value to the things that we love and the things that we, we enjoy. It might be sport and recreation. It might be fashion. It might be your career. You know, it might be other friendships and relationships. The question for us is not, do we worship? It's who or what will we worship? And as we turn to, to David, we're going to consider you know, two very different events in his life. And they, the, these events demonstrate for David the orientation of his heart, the direction he's facing in. They demonstrate the, the priority that David placed on worshipping God above worshipping uh, other things or people. And both of these events, they involve worship, but they're in very, very different circumstances. So firstly, uh, we're going to turn to 2 Samuel, uh, Samuel, Samuel, it's a new one. 2 Samuel chapter 6. And just a very kind of quick bit of background for you here. You know, the setting here is King David's city, uh, Jerusalem. And he's, he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant. So this hugely important symbol of faith and the symbol of God's presence for the people of God, the, the Israelites. And he's, he's bringing this Ark back to reside in Jerusalem. And it's a really significant moment. You know, there's a, there's a procession as the ark is being carried into the city. And so reading from verse 12, if you've got a Bible to ring along, oh, I need some glasses. Now, King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of uh, Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, uh, which was his wife as well, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. And just skipping ahead to verse 20. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. You can kind of hear the tone of voice, can't you? Not in me, but in the passage. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before 
the Lord. I'll become even more undignified than this and I'll be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honour. And what we see here is David's worship in the context of of joyful celebration and and rejoicing. You know, the picture you get here is is of this kind of exuberant dancing, you know, with this sense of complete uh, abandon as the ark is brought in. You know, David is really, really, really going for it, isn't he? Um, only, you know, he's not wearing the kind of regal robes that you'd expect of a king. He's, he's not, uh, instead he's wearing what we hear is a, a linen ephod. And, you know, to the best of our understanding, that was kind of a fairly sort of plain and an ordinary version of a priestly outer garment. You know, some people call it a bit like an apron. Perhaps a little bit like that. Um, but, uh, you know, for us, we know that worship, worship can be enthusiastic. It can be extravagant, just like we read there. You know, the Bible gives us lots of examples of of gathered high praise lots of examples of of noisy worship you know the psalms encourage us shout for joy come before him with joyful songs praise him with the clash of cymbals with tambourine with dancing with trumpets you know from time to time that's what our sunday worship is like too we love it when one of our davids plays the trumpet it kind of lifts things doesn't it you know there's something of that celebration as we come together and it's been a joy for us here at highgrove to be able to start singing all together again uh, together um, and to raise our voices in praise and adoration praise to god but also you know in this passage we see a glimpse of, of actually what we know is true today too then actually our worship is not really very well understood by everyone. You know, we read of David's wife seeing David's worship and, and having this really harsh response in despising him in her heart. You know, she seems pretty disgusted with the way that David worships. You know, that's not fitting for a king to act that way and dress like that. And for some people, I wonder, looking on our kind of songs of celebration, looking on our worship, actually they might have the reaction of, well, that's a bit happy-clappy. You know, that's a bit, is that a bit superficial? You know, has that really got any connection with real life and with the world out there? You know, they might just have a bit of disdain. And I don't know, I wonder, actually, sometimes for us, we might be in that place as well, ourselves sometimes. You know, sometimes other people's extravagant worship uh, can maybe just kind of repel us a little bit. Do you know what I mean? You know, but if we're not in that same place, if we're not feeling it, then then actually that some people's extravagant worship can feel almost like a little bit embarrassing. That is nothing new. You know, we read in in Matthew chapter 26 of a a woman pouring a jar of very expensive perfume over Jesus' head in front of the disciples. And this is extravagant act of worship. You know, the disciples look on and they take offense at this. You know, what a waste. You know, that, that that could have been sold. That money could have been given to the poor. And Jesus responds to me. He says, she has done a beautiful thing to me. And I think the challenging question that we all need to ask ourselves is very much a heart question. You know, I need to ask myself this question too. Am I extravagantly in love with God? Or am I just concerned with being religious? Am I just concerned with being religious, acting and behaving in a certain way? It's a challenging question. I know it's a challenging question for me. Am I extravagantly in love with God? 
Or am I just concerned about the outer appearance of my behaviour? In the book of Revelation, John gets a, a vision of Jesus and, and, and Jesus you know, tells him to write to the church at Ephesus. In Revelation chapter 2, he says this, it's probably familiar words to you. I know your deeds, I know your hard work and your perseverance, and yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. And we can do all the right things. We can work hard to, to serve and care for the planet and to care for the community and care for the poor and love our neighbour. They are all absolutely vital things as part of the Christian life. And, and we must do more of those things. But our first calling is to a love relationship with Jesus. To have our hearts orientated towards him. You know, one of my mentors once said this, that our first ministry is not for him, but to him. Our first ministry is not for him, but to him. And I get the impression that David really got that. You know, so when, when Mikhail mocks David for his exuberant dancing and in display of everyone, he, he responds uh, like this, doesn't he? He says, but it was before the Lord. In other words, you know, it wasn't for you. It wasn't for all these other people, it was for God. It wasn't a performance to gain anyone's approval. It was for the audience of one. Now his goodness is, is so great. His love is so wonderful. He has done such amazing things. My, my heart is overflowing and so I will celebrate before the Lord. And you know what? I'm going to do it even greater and even more than this. It's him that I'm seeking to honour. It's no one else. Now, is that true of your worship? Is that true of my worship? How, how's your heart? How's your heart? Is it, is it soft towards God? Is the, is the orientation of your heart towards honouring him and valuing him as a first priority? Or is it about the approval of other people? Is it about the way things are seen? That is the heart of worship. And uh, the second event in David's life, I just want to very quickly dive into 2 Samuel chapter 12. We, we won't dwell here for very long because Deborah's going to be unpacking this whole passage for us, us next week. But briefly, you know, David had just failed big time. And, and one of the, the consequences of, of his sin was that his son was, was really ill and then he died. And so we're picking up from verse, verse 19, 2 Samuel chapter 12. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves and he realised that the child was dead. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground and after he had washed, put on lotions and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. You know, here is a a completely different situation from the first passage. You know, this may well be the time of David's life when he was at the very lowest. It's a time of a mourning, a time of sorrow, a time of coming to terms with, with what for him was a catastrophic failure in his life. But what does he do? We read, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. You know, we see here that for David, there is an integrity to his worship. It's not that his, his heart is only turned towards God when he's on cloud nine. You know, even when things are, are really bad, even when he's failed, even when it's a time of mourning and of grief, you know, David comes with this God-centered attitude that means that he, he worships. You know, the late Eugene Peterson, he's the, the author of, of the message, uh, he said this, 
that feelings are great liars. If Christians worshipped only when they felt like it, there would be precious little worship. We think that if we don't feel something, there could be no authenticity in doing it. But the wisdom of God says something different. That we can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. There's, there's real wisdom and truth in that. You know, sometimes we worship God because it's a decision we make. We worship by intention. And we find ways to express it, not because we can feel it bubbling up with joy from inside of us, but because we know it's the right thing for us to do. We recognise that actually it's the very time we need to worship most. And so we turn our attention towards God and we express our devotion to him. We, we turn up to church when we're tempted to pull the duvet over our head instead. You know, we carry on worshipping God by, by serving the community in the cafe or in the community garden, even though we'd kind of rather hunker down because we know that by doing that we are worshipping and honouring God. We, we carry on engaging with our, our small group, even though we just want to run away from from it because we know that by blessing others we're being a blessing to God we open our Bibles even though we don't feel like it because we know it's the right thing to do we tell God in prayer that he's worthy to be praised we tell him what we're thankful for every season of the soul that is the heart of a worshipper that's the heart of a worshipper and and David wrote around half of the Psalms. And, and we see evidence of, of David, you know, doing this, having this heart, you know, all the way through his life. You know, even in the midst of, of despair and difficulty, David, he, he turned himself towards God. He orientated himself towards God. And he put himself in a posture of, of worship that connected him to God. You know, if you are looking for a heart-to-heart -heart connection with God, then, then worship is a doorway to that. See, just very simply, singing is a really great way, a great doorway into that connection with God. And just as we close, we're going to pray, and in fact, we're going to worship with some, uh, with, with, with some songs in a minute. But just uh, as we do that, I just want to read to you one of David's psalms. You know, this is one that he wrote in the midst of difficulty and distress. And, and for me, it shows so much about the heart of worship that we see in David. So listen to this. I don't know, you might even want to close your eyes and just let this kind of wash over you and just, just get a feel for David's heart through this, this psalm, this song that he, he wrote. It's Psalm... 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you 
your right hand upholds me. For David, worship was a thread that ran all the way through his life. It was both for the the public place, that high praise, that gathered celebration. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. But he was also a worshipper in the private place, in the secret place, and actually in the place of kind of struggle and, and darkness and sleeplessness. On my bed, I remember you. I sing in the shadow of your wings. David's heart was orientated towards God. His first priority was to worship God, to turn to him, to respond to his goodness and his love, to, 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 to show value, to show worth to, to God as he worshipped. For us this morning, how's your heart? How's your heart doing? How's your worship? How's your worship? And so this morning, we're just going to take a chance to just to come towards the Lord. I'm going to invite the band to, to come. In fact, I ask you to stand with me. And uh, we're kind of not going to do anything strange. or But actually, today, I just want to extend an invitation. An invitation to worship. An invitation to focus on the Lord. An invitation today to say to God again, you are my first love. You are the one that I want to extravagantly love and adore. And whether that's in a, an outward, physical way in our worship this morning, whether that is actually just taking that moment, stepping out of the traffic, stepping out of the busyness, and, and focusing on the Lord in the midst of all that's going on in life. I want to encourage you to do that. So let's pray. So I just feel that, um, you know, for, for many in this congregation, and of course, we, you know, all the way around the world, it's true too, it's been such a challenging time. It's been a time of, of darkness, uh, been a time of struggle, suffering and loss for, for, for many of us. And for some of us, um, perhaps our response has been withdrawal. But God is, is giving us an invitation today. I think one of the things that this whole season is calling out of us as a church is worship. One of the things that, that we can, how we can respond to perhaps what for many has been a time of struggle is to worship, to come back to him again. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit. We want to turn our hearts, turn our faces towards you. Thank you for your invitation for us to draw close to you. And as we think about that question, how is our heart? That even as we worship, even as we go through the action, regardless of where our feelings are, I pray there will be a softening of our hearts, a turning towards you in a fresh way, and it might not just be a Sunday thing, it would be a Monday thing, a Tuesday thing, a Wednesday, all the way through the week, that we would know what it is to have a heart after you, 
a heart to worship. We turn to you now.